This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. Welcome to The Way I See It. I'm Alistair Souk, your guide in this 30-part series in which we're throwing open the collection at MoMA, the Museum of Modern Art in New York, to some of the sharpest creative minds of our time. Each of them gets to choose a piece that thrills or surprises or inspires them, and they've been telling us why they see it the way they do. This piece seems to be really about weight and intensity and introspection. Steve Reich is described by many as America's greatest living composer, and he's speaking in one of MoMA's imposing new galleries, which has the sort of echoing cathedral-like acoustic in which his own layered, minimalist compositions might resonate and hypnotise. The piece he's talking about is Equal, a monumental, frankly awe-inspiring installation consisting of eight massive steel blocks arranged in four towers, each a stack of two, by the American sculptor Richard Serra. Often in these programmes, our guests choose something familiar, a work they already love, which they visited many times. But not on this occasion, because Steve Reich has selected a recent piece, made in 2015, which has never been shown at the Museum of Modern Art until now. And it happens to be by a man, a friend, the gruff, indomitably smart and brilliant artist Richard Serra, whom he's known and understood for most of his adult life. Imagine that everybody has a set of antenna, and where you are, you're going to pick up certain stations. If you're sort of both tuned to the same frequencies, then you're going to get that input. Now, that sounds very amorphous, and it is, but it it produces very, very concrete results. Steve had seen pictures of Equal and watched a video online documenting its hair-raising installation. They closed part of 54th Street in Manhattan for a whole weekend so that all eight blocks cast from solid steel and weighing collectively a mind-blowing 320 tonnes could be hoisted into place inside a vast new gallery. But Steve had never seen for real this, as he puts it, intense and introspective artwork. And as he rounded a corner into the gallery, chatting with MoMA's chief curator of painting and sculpture, Anne Temkin, we caught his first off-the-cuff reaction. Are 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 you going to be interviewing me? Yeah. No, 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 I... I, ah. Oh, right. Mm. It was a genuine moment, almost a wow. And then he settled himself to take in the piece. Richard Serra is a very old friend and an artist that I hold in the highest regard. One of the various materials that I saw on the piece was Richard saying how we're lost in virtual reality, photographs, videos, and precisely and particularly his work demands your physical presence. And it's a perfectly fair demand at an early point in history there wouldn't have been any choice. You either go there and you see it or you don't. But now many people say, oh, yeah, I saw it, meaning I saw a picture. They sent me the, the installation video. It's, you know, how you get something like this into the room where it has to be within the room to bear the weight that it has. But I still felt, you know, I, I want to be here. There are eight 
blocks, weighing 40 tons each? Yes. Made of steel. And they are stacked two, 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 and two, so they're basically four stacks of two blocks each. Just let the weight of that settle in your imagination. Each block, 40 tons, measures 60 by 66 by 72 inches, which, in human height terms, if you like, is five foot by five and a half foot by six foot. And Sarah's playing with these unequal dimensions so that the height of all four stacks is, in fact, equal. One of them fits as finely as you can fit something of that enormous size, whereas the others have overhangs or underhangs. In other words, some, the top piece juts out or it's too short for the lower piece. So you, you just puzzle that out. I mean, the first thing I did when I walked in here was to walk over to the space between the two to see where my eye level would be, how I would stack up as a human being against what I was looking at. I haven't talked about this recently, but I can't but imagine that that entered into his thinking, the scale vis-a-vis your encounter with him, because that seems to me central to everything he's done since I first encountered his work in 1966. So when I first walked in, there's a sort of impact. The obvious weight, we say in English, a weighty matter, or a heavy man. <laughs> That's a kind of offhand way of, of describing the reality. You straight, I mean, I feel like I straighten up, you know, like straighten up and salute or something like that. One of the things that I think's really emerging from this series is that when it comes to art, there's no single official way to read or understand a, a painting, say, or in this case, a monumental sculpture. Your reaction may be heightened or informed by knowledge and information about the work in question, but it's still subjective. Steve had a bodily response in front of Sarah's equal. He straightened up. Sarah himself once said he wasn't interested in creating static objects, but in shaping space. He was shaping the way that Steve was responding to the work. And a little later, when the gallery was quiet again, I got a chance to measure my own response. The temptation as soon as you come in, actually, is to get right in the middle. I think immediately you want to speak in a hushed tone, because what this feels like is not a piece of theatre, but a sort of primordial event. I guess it, it, it almost has this feeling of being like uh, surrounded by, not obelisks, but structures, neolithic structures perhaps, they're not sleek glossy, reflective it's not stainless steel it's something with much more tactility and a a human presence and when you look at the way that these blocks have been placed on top of each other in certain instances you can almost see through, there's a glimpse of daylight and white wall from the other side and they seem to actually touch only at one or two points it does have an internal sombre feel. When you stand in the middle, it feels like these pieces of architecture in each corner, these four very thick columns, almost creating what feels like an arena. There's some action in the middle which feels like it's about to take place. There's a sense of anticipation, but at the same time a sense that whatever activity was going to take place here happened not just years ago, and this was 
a work that was created in 2015, but potentially millennia ago, a work that somehow in connection with an ancient, remote and distant past. And that's quite magical. That has a sense of mystery to it, which is beguiling. The spiritual impulse does not go away. It simply turns to whatever is at hand or it searches for what was at hand. But that impulse to look at something beyond yourself and ourselves is there because I think it's just genetic. I mean, if we keep on going, we'll locate the genes. But Richard is a spiritual person. Richard Serra is a very deep human being. And uh, I have undying affection for Richard. It's often said that in our godless age, an era, at least in the West, remarkable for the decline of religion, galleries of modern art function like churches and cathedrals did in times gone by. They're places where we can leave behind prosaic, worldly concerns, the hurly-burly of everyday life, and concentrate instead on our spiritual selves, seeking solace, comfort, meaning, call it what you will. Nourishment for the soul, not just our Instagram feeds. There's nothing virtual about Richard Serra's ambitious work, which is all about tactility and scale and objectness, if that's a word, the physical experience of confronting something massive and material in front of you. That's what art, and especially the sort of abstract art that Serra's famous for, is about. The impulse, as Steve puts it, to look beyond ourselves. And the sombre quality of Serra's steel stacks inspired Steve to look beyond himself and consider his old friend in a new light. This is not the work of a young man. Richard was asked about what was characteristic about his late work and he said more weight, more density, more tension, more introspection. You look at this steel and you sense that it's just, you know, totally different than what you usually run into. I mean, objects that you deal with and that you, the idea of you having any effect on them, you know, pushing them, or, is absolutely out of the question. It's almost like they could be children's little two-inch wood blocks rather than these giant, massive forged steel blocks because the math of it is really elementary arithmetic. Sure. If you have a six-foot block, a five-and-a-half-foot block, and a five-foot block, right. there are only so many ways that you can make it be that all four combinations of two total 11 feet. Right. Right, that's a fun math game even for a kid. I think the idea that you, you're dealing with something which is really highly intellectually well thought out and is immediately obvious <laughs> is really characteristic because we're going back to... In 1965, I moved into a loft on Duane Street, corner of Greenwich. And uh, Richard lived around the corner on Greenwich near the Duane. One day he, he calls up and he just, the conversation goes, piece of lead on the floor, roll it up to a pole. Other piece of lead put on the wall, the pole is laid up against it so it holds it in place. You got it? What do you think? He said, Richard, I, I got to see. He said, come on over. I go over. And it's exactly as he described. But the effect of it is it's like kind of magic, like this is, you, you can sense that this piece of lead is, you know, is, is, is not just a piece of paper or anything remotely like that. And there's other pieces, like, just hitting it in one place. And, you know, is that really going to hold? Precarious. Precarious. That 
delicacy and it has to be precisely in the place that it is to hold up the piece on the wall. Yeah. And it's a lead. It's not delicate at all. It's the heaviest of metals, or one of the heaviest of metals anyway. That seems to have persisted. And the, the fact that it has persisted in so many different, constantly changing, but sort of recognizably the same persona, the same human presence, as remarkable as any artist I can think of. Even though these have been machine-made, this is part of an industrial process, there is a slight sense of mystery that's thick in the air. And I don't feel I'm just projecting that onto the blocks. I think it's because of their arrangement. It chimes in your subconscious with Stone Age monuments, with even something like Stonehenge. When I first went to the UK, we had a concert in London, a concert in Oxford, and we drove out of our way to get to Stonehenge at dawn. Because, you know, it's just an observatory. And again, the scale, the, the enormity of it, how did they get the stones in the place? Equal by Richard Serra definitely is in that world. Many people in our society are underfed spiritually. So when something comes along that's uh, <laughs> indisputable, like Equal by Richard Serra, you're called, to, as we said before, to attention. Now hear this. <laughs> now see this, now feel this. Yes, it's made to last. But I think the more important thing is it'll last because it will engage human beings for as long as we're and it's around. That's why it'll last. Otherwise, you could get a blowtorch and get rid of it. And they, but nobody will. Thanks for listening. To hear more episodes like this, just search for The Way I See It on BBC Sounds.